Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Dawn Patton, owner of Patton Accounting and Tax PLLC, an accountant for entrepreneurs who offer bookkeeping, taxes, financial education, and business coaching. Hey, Dawn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Can you expand a bit more on you know where you are today with your business and who you'd love to work with? Yes, our business. I mean, you said the services that we do, and that's exactly what we do. We work with creative female entrepreneurs. Um, that can mean a variety of things. And no, it doesn't just have to be females. That's just who we cater to because we employ stay-at-home moms. So <laughs> that's our team right there. Um, but yeah, hairstylist website designers, social media agencies, kind of any, if you resonate with the word creative and you're an entrepreneur, come chat with us. We'll help you with the number side of things. Oh, you mean the side of things that most people hate. It's like, yeah, I come into business yeah. to do the the creative, the amazing things that we, we get to do. And, ah, oh, shit, you mean I've got to do like my accounting and get all my receipts done and all this other stuff? Ah. Oh. Exactly. Yep. That's us. We'll come in and save the day because we like the business side, the creative side, not so much, which is why we hire out the creative side. Uh, so nice. See, everything works. Stick in your lane, do what you're good at, outsource the rest. Yeah. Love that. Oh, so, yeah. Dawn, when your clients come to you, what is it that you have to sort of help them through? What, what is the thing time and time again that you'd like to sort of eradicate from, from entrepreneurs? It's their money mindset, which is a big part of it. Um, And that looks like all sorts of different things, but everyone comes with a different relationship with money to their business. Mm. And so some of the people come and they're like, the first thing I'm going to do is talk to an accountant before I even make a sale. And that is going to be a whole different story than the person who's like, and the last thing, the thing I've been avoiding for five years now is talking to an accountant, but the IRS just sent me a notice. So let me go maybe try to meet an accountant to see if they can help me. Like there's, and they might actually, both those people have the same root belief or cause around money. Like it Mm. it can present itself in so many different ways. Um, But yeah, we really try to help our clients with their money mindset and just neutralizing money. Let's take that masculine energy of actually sorting the data and numbers off their plate, we'll do that back end work so that you can just focus on like your relationship with money and making money and spending the money and having that kind of holistic viewpoint with money. 
what's the biggest reframe that you can help people with? Because that's, as you said, the money mindset encompasses so, so many things. So what do you find is traditionally the biggest shift um, that is maybe gets the quickest wins, but also has the biggest impact off the bat? I think it's going to depend person to person and what your current story is with money, but overall, just neutralizing money. So making sure that money isn't that that stress that you feel when you think about money, that's not money that's doing it. That's something else. Or that excitement that you feel when you get a sale, that's not money making you excited. That's something else. So neutralizing money and taking that pressure off of it to like please you and help you feel, make you feel safe. That's a big shift right there. What you said, perfect. The pressure. Now there is so much pressure on making sales or, you know, right now everyone's screaming for, I need more clients. I need more leads. I need more sales calls, whatever industry you're in, whatever tactic you use to bring in the people so you can serve them. Um, but that pressure on the sale, the pressure on money, it's it's tough yeah. it can be all encompassing so relieving that pressure yeah. what this must have come from from you as well because a lot of people teach and coach what what we needed and what we found so what was um, it for you that allowed you to find this this methodology this way of working this way of releasing the pressure from ah i need money yeah mine was uh, an I feel like a lot of people struggle with this. So hopefully others relate as I say this, but like essentially there's never going to be enough money. Like there's always the next thing you want to do. You want, I mean, my current thing, I want to design our backyard. Like I want to have an actual backyard. We have a dirt patch back there. I want a nice backyard and I want a nice front yard. Um, but we're also finishing our basement right now. So that also takes money. And so in my hen, it's like, okay, well, there's, I have to earn more money. I have to earn more money. I have to earn more money. And there's never enough of it. But really what this is, is, okay, I want to be able to hang outside with my daughter. That's why I want the backyard. Or I want more space for us to live. That's why I want the basement. And like taking that pressure off of money and putting it into actual words and thoughts and feelings without using money really helps me process that. Mm. Um and so with money, it's me working on my relationship to be like, and how can money serve me? Um, how, how can I design the life I want to live without putting all the pressure on money? Yeah. Which logically is great. I mean, I think we all get that. But oh, the, the emotions that behind, especially money, this man-made concept that really controls so much of what we do. That emotional link is, again, it can be all-consuming. It can be so anxiety-inducing. Oh, my gosh. So to be able to release mm -hmm. that, and a little bit of maybe personifying it, it's you want it to come in. It needs to go out. There is a flow to this. So trying to be a bit yeah. more, I mean, as I was saying, you, you just lit up. It's like, yeah, finding that playful angle. Isn't that what it's all well, about? Well, you, you said personify it, and I was actually thinking one of the things that we – teach all of the time it's kind of become an inside joke with our team um finance friday but it's dating your money it's making money a person because money is a relationship right and just like any other relationship you have you've got to put time into it that's very well that's one of the love languages so go put time into it and date your money and actually talk to it and say hey money this is what i'm needing from our relationship or i'm not feeling this way about our relationship 
or even saying, um, like pointing out in your relationship and money of like what you did to contribute, like, Hey, I did this so that you can do this. And in that, that's why I lit up. Cause you said personify. And I was like, yeah, actually that is what we do around here is we date our money and work on that relationship. This is fun. I mean, with, with the work that we do, and I forget yourself, personification is a huge part of that. And it can be mm-hmm. so revealing even to personify your business. Yeah. With the business, it's, it's so much pressure on one entity to fuel your life and the lives of all your employees and make a difference into the world. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, mm-hmm. Or you flip it around and say, I don't, maybe there's a little bit of trust or belief in your business that it actually can scale or do the job that you think it should do. And so, but to say that out loud, to personify it as, I don't believe that you can, I don't think you can provide for me. Ouch. If you were saying that to a person kind of hurts. Exactly. So that personification with anything can be a beautiful tactic. It's fun. Uh-huh. It's, it's so helpful. And, and even if you feel so cheesy doing it, the just the mere practice of taking a set like setting aside time and trying it's it's the effort that makes the difference Hmm. yeah give give everything a shot but i think the thing that i want to come back to that you said i did this so you can do that so dating when i said i just i just made space in the backyard i just created this for you to come in and then make it better so these actions totally. back to the flow of money i think that line is beautiful yeah yeah it's i i mean it just reminds me of like conversations i had with my husband every night it's like okay babe i just cleaned our room so can you go clean the kitchen like that's what we're doing with money is hey i just did this so i'd love if you could do that or really looking at that transactional value in your relationship with money hmm. so this business how how do you get into this in the first place? What was it that made you decide, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to build. Nothing. I don't, I didn't feel that way for a very long time. It was very, um, I mean, it wasn't an accidental entrepreneur. It was an accidental CEO, which you said before we pressed record and I was like, give up. That was me. Um, but starting the business was, kind of just a limited amount of options. We moved to a very rural town in Utah and I had ran a CPA firm before. So I knew I could do it. I knew I could start my own business, but I didn't necessarily want to start my own business. So it was just going to be a little side hustle. I was going to do some bookkeeping, wasn't going to worry about doing taxes, which is my history. My background's in taxes and bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, But to keep things simple, I was just going to do bookkeeping. And then within three months of starting the business that I didn't necessarily feel gung-ho about, I was just kind of going to do it. Um, I was already hiring. I hired my sisters to start with. And I was like, you guys, I need help. I'm dying over here. I have way too many clients and I just started this and I'm not sure what I'm doing. So they jumped on board. One of them was my office manager and she got a lot of systems set up. So things were automated, which bless her heart. We're still using all of our systems and processes today. Fantastic. Um, and then my little sister hopped on as our marketing manager because there were just different like 
blog post that I wanted to, it's like some blog posts and freebies, things that I was like, I am saying the same thing 10 times a day, go put it in a resource or write a post about it so that it will make my life easier. Anyway, hired them. Next thing you know, I was hiring a bookkeeper, my friend from grad school, a person that I worked with beforehand. And I was just, yeah, yeah. It all kind of spiraled from there is I got a little bit addicted to hiring because I realized how much it helped me to not do it all on my own. So what was, because hiring can be, it sounds like you are like, yep, just plow forward. Other people really struggle with, ah, who do I hire? How can I get the best out of them? I don't know what work to give them. It's going to be too hard to start. There's all these justifications and challenges that we have. So what was it for you that you, um, that you found was, was something to work through? I, it was actually really hard for me. Hiring my sisters was so easy for me. We just have a very solid relationship. It was, um, nothing permanent. It was, if this works for you in your season of life, it's working for me in my season of life and we'll stay in touch if things change. Um, so that one was like little dip my toes into it. But then when I had to hire someone who wasn't family or related to me, I did have a big block around that. Luckily, my coach, who's now one of my best friends, helped me through that mindset shift. Because for me, my block was, like I had mentioned, I was, I previously managed a CPA firm. I did not like who I was as a manager at that firm. I don't like how I was, but I also don't like how I treated the people who reported to me. Um, I had a lot of pressure. I was, it was one owner who was completely checked out of his business. And then me who had two years experience when I started running his firm. Like I was a newbie, but I was the only person willing to step up and do it. So I did, uh, but just had a lot of pressure because of that. And I was also going to grad school at that time. I was struggling with infertility. Like there was a lot of personal and work stuff involved that made me not the best person. So Mm. when it came to my business and it was time to hire, I had a lot of blocks to work through about like shedding, like, Hey, you can forgive that person and you get to control this story this time. Who are you going to show up as a manager this time? What kind of culture are you going to have? Because you are the head honcho now. You're the one who's driving the shots. How is that going to look? How is that going to be? And so doing a lot of a lot of visualization exercises about like, hey, an employee comes to me and they say this, how are you reacting? And allowing myself to feel into like that higher vibration of who I was mm. so that I could be comfortable showing up as that. Once I got past that block, that point, it was so easy for me to hire. So I was like, I know this is going to be a great place for people to work. Let's bring them. Like I am serving them by hiring them. Let's bring them in. See that angle there. It's a little bit different. And there's a nuance there that I hope um, someone listening is going to sort of take this and, and run with it because we've all had these th- th- horrible bosses. It's like, that showed me how I won't do my business. That showed me who not to be. And we all, I'm sure we can all have that, have that kind of story. But mm-hmm. for you to eloquently describe, you know what? I, I was that person. I was that person yeah. and I'm able to 
understand the reasons why so number one lesson number one people are always going through things that you don't know i mean everyone says that we all know this stuff but it's hard in the moment to actually fully appreciate that secondly to understand okay who was i what was i like what do i want to be like so these Mm -hmm. experiences as tough as it, it must have been for you to come to terms find that forgiveness and appreciation for oh shit i get it and yeah. to work through it. I think that's just a lovely sort of different angle that I don't think we've ever touched on before on this podcast. So thank you for bringing that to the attention. And hopefully yeah. it's, it's a new way of looking at, okay, how can, how can we all be better than we were yesterday in a previous job, in a previous life? And, and this has, this happened after I fully like forgave myself and moved on and was hiring people. But I have now worked with three people. Well, no, sorry. I've now worked with two people. One person just applied um, to a job that we're currently hiring for. So potentially three people who I worked with as their boss at that job. Remember, this is the version of Dawn I didn't like. And yet they're coming on board and they're like, no, but I want to work with you again. And it's been so even more healing for me that I'm like, okay, maybe I wasn't as bad as I thought I was. but also other people can forgive you too. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's been a really good reminder of like, they can see that you've changed. They can see a difference. Clearly there's something here that you're doing right. If they want to work with you again. Love that. That's awesome. That just clarifies and puts things Mm -hmm. in perspective. Love that. So with where you are right now, obviously you've gone through a massive learning curve and really in a kind of short space of time, you've built this Mm -hmm. business. It's come into the the accidental CEO building an empire from from nowhere and accidentally like uh oh yeah through this journey and it has been a personal identity sort of shifting journey which as a business owner never quite ends so where are you right now that you're like cool here's here's the next level here's the new challenge here's the next thing that I'm sort of working my way through what is that new new thing for you yeah, my current thing that I'm learning is it's the CEO thing of as a CEO, there's only so much you can do, only so much you want to do as well. I'll say that. Um, and you have a team, you get to delegate to them, but not everything gets to go through you like it used to. Mm. I mean, I guess it depends what type of CEO you are. I'm sure there are some people who will still have their hands and everything, but as part of me reframing and what our culture was here at this firm, a lot of ownership. And so I don't believe in micromanaging. I believe in you putting your own personal stamp on it, but I still wanted to have the Don Patton stamp, but I don't have my hands in everything anymore. In fact, I have managers and they have their teams. So I don't even, I mean, on a once or twice a month, I'll talk to some of these people that are on my team. And that's, totally different from what I've been doing. So kind of moving into this season of like delegation. Um, I don't know it, what I call it is delegation, but I'm sure there's a step further than that. Cause it's not just like, okay, you do this and now give it back to me. It's like you do this and I never want to see it again, but it should be the way that I want it to be done. There it is. That That's it. It's that it is delegation. It's been able to, as a CEO to step away and be like, okay, I need to stop doing this dumb stuff. I can't be everything i can't keep on yeah. putting my my energy and my time into this because it's not what you're doing anymore however 
from building a business, it can be so tough to let things go. So you've hit that point. You are starting to release. You are starting to let go and get your time back. But there's still that that flavor of it still needs to be done in this exact way. There's still something in that. And I guess there's probably different jobs or different tasks, which maybe you care more about than others. So let's, let's get down there. Let's get on that rabbit hole. Which which one is, what can you let go and be like, yeah, I literally don't care. It's kind of got the stamp on. It's what we do. Great. Where's the yeah. other ones that you're like, I'm looking at this. I'm watching this. What's that? Uh, well, okay. I feel like it's happening shifts because there's really like three parts to my business. It's the taxes, the bookkeeping, and then the marketing or office work. I kind of lump those together because similar team members. Hmm. The taxes was the first thing that I delegated, but that one came easier for me because I delegated it to the person who I trained to take over my job at my old firm. So I had already trained her two years ago. She excelled at the job once I left. Mm. And so bringing her on into this firm, I was like, you already know, I've trained you before. I'll give you a refresh of this training, but it was so easy for me to let go of her because I've seen her in action before taking it over and taking ownership of it. So that was really good for me. Um, And now it's delegating the bookkeeping and the marketing. Bookkeeping, I still have my hands in it quite a bit. We just have a lot of moving pieces. That's the part of our business that's completely blowing up. So it makes sense that I'm still active in there, trying to manage it, hiring more people. We're getting leads in there, getting more support. The marketing seems to be the part that I'm struggling with, like letting go, because that's my face out there. Those are my words out there. And I'm like, "Mm, but I want it to look different or no, I wouldn't really have said something like that. So don't put it in quotes. Mm. Um, Yeah. The marketing, uh, I trust those people. They do such good work. I love them. I am struggling a little bit with that delegation because, you know, to an extent, marketing does kind of have to be your face. I mean, if I'm building it around me, so. Yeah, I guess it's what you want from the brand and the business. Mm -hmm. There's, There's two roads to go down here because we've seen entrepreneurs actually, step one, you have to be the face. Oh, shit. You mean I've got to go and do this stuff and social media and be seen and all the stuff that comes with it. And then secondly, it's, and now I need to extract myself, which means you can still be the face if that's a really big thing, or how do we start to move you away from it? So I think there's two different angles. There's no right or wrong to this, but it's trying to think. No, not all. And And I did test that out. Yeah. I tested it out because I thought for a while with the delegation, I was like, cool, we're just going to make it like Hatton and Co. were making it about the team. It's not going to be about Don. And we did that for a while. And then I was like, eh, I want to come back. Like, I want to be the face. I want to be showing up because I do think there's something to building a personal brand in that regard and building that relationship with one person versus a team who they are moving parts. We do hire and fire. And people, like I said before, we employ a lot of working mom. So it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. in this season of my life, I just had my fourth baby. I'm going to take some time off and I'll come back in a few years or, or like, Hey, now that my kids are back in school, I'm back on board. So there are moving people. And I want them to know, like, no matter who you work with, it's going to be the quality that it's 
always been with Don. So mm. that's the hard part is I did try to take myself away. And now I'm like, no, nope, I'm, I'm back. I wanted to be in my face. But how do I also delegate that? And that's the, that is the struggle. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of people talk to in this exact situation, it's clients are, are used to seeing you talking to you yeah. and being able to then say, yeah, um, you, you get a team, same quality, but I, I can't work with you person to person. And mm -hmm. to some clients, you must have this where it's like, it's tough. And they're like, no, I, I'm yeah. hiring you. Whereas others are like, sweet. It's, it's part of the, the, the overall product of what they, what they get. So what, what was the hardest thing for you as far as the clients go? Um, our client's reaction when I started branding it more was like, okay, no, but this is Don and team. You're not always going to work with me. They were all for that. I think, I think they saw the reward of it though. Of like, oh, look, I'm getting faster responses now because I'm emailing Brandy, not Don. <laughs> um, they knew my turnaround time was, I was getting bogged down. So I think they did see a big benefit to it. Mm. Um, did they, did they see your emails as well? Did they, are they, are they, were they along with the ride with you to be, to see the growth and the change? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. They, it was the, I think the first year was, I was calling it patent accounting and tax, but the branding was all me. I didn't really share much of anything about a team. And then after we had four or five people on the team, I was like, and I should start branding it as a team. So here's this transition we're going through. And I mean, it's entrepreneur, we support entrepreneurs. So it's other entrepreneurs seeing us grow. And of course, they're going to be like, yeah, you go girl. Like I want that for me too. So I'm rooting for you. That's mm. great. So I love it. They've been so, yeah. I say that they hire us as their cheerleaders, but honestly, they're like our cheerleaders too. So. It's, now there's the culture. So you're, you're building a culture within your team. You're building a culture with your clients. Mm. This is who you want to be around. This yeah. symbolizes what's, what's amazing about entrepreneurship, whether you fell into it and just happened to build your empire or whatever it might be. So yeah, yeah I think lastly, with, with your growth, with where you're going now, what, what would you say is the, the best thing that's sort of helping and guiding you now, because you're going to the unknown again, you're, you're still, trying to find that balance with a couple of areas as yourself as a business owner. So what's, what's the best things that's helping you right now? Um, me time, a lot of me time to just think, work on personal development. I mean, that's what entrepreneurship is, is a personal development journey. So making sure that I'm still pouring into me so that I can get those pings of intuition that I can know when to act or what to do. Um, and then also like it raises your vibrations too, when you focus on you and pour into you. So that way I can then pour into my team in that way as well. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right. Being an entrepreneur, it's, you can't help, but develop yourself personally because it is such yeah. a personal journey. It's relentless and it magnifies yeah every strength that you have but every weakness as well oh, yep a magnifying glass that's exactly what it is is like you had these 
struggles or strengths outside of entrepreneurship, but now you bring it into your business and the way that it's presenting itself is like, oh, now that's way easier to see. Okay. I see that block or I see that I need to shift to that thing or the ROI. Well, that thing you've been avoiding for like two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Nice. Oh, I love that. Hey, Dawn, thank you so much for for playing along and sharing not only you know, what you do, but how you've sort of built the business and what it's like from behind behind the curtains. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for having this podcast and letting entrepreneurs share their stories. It's a, it's a great platform. Welcome. Thank you. Look, if people want to find out more about about you and the work that you you and your team do, where can they find you? Yes. <laughs> um. Instagram's where I love to hang out. So come hang out with me on Instagram, just Don Patton. That's my handle. Or come check out our website if you want to see my team in action. And that's patentaccounting.net. Awesome. Well, everyone, go check it out. And Dawn, thank you again. This has been an awful lot of fun. Thanks, Mark. Welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs>